it's the next level. Now, if you doubt this tale is so, I met that spook just a year ago. Now, I didn't stop for a second look, but made for the bridge that spans the brook. But once you cross that bridge, my friend, so when you're riding home tonight, make for the bridge with all your might. He'll be down in the hollow there. He needs your head. Look out! Beware! With a hip, hip, and a clippity-clop. He's, He's out looking for a head to swap. So don't try to figure out a plan. You can't reason with a headless Welcome to the next chapter of Still Afraid of the Dark. From the Next Level Network, I am your host, Rob Martin. And joining me is always the other host of the show, Ben Beck. Thank you very much for that introduction. So, yeah. <laughs> I, it feels weird because we, yeah. it's, it's still the second episode, but we, we do things a little differently introduction-wise this podcast than we do the other one. Yeah, it's weird because, like I said, you know, DC, like you open us up. Captain Crew is completely different. Yeah. So, like, this is we're still finding our footing for this show. It's only episode two. We got seven more. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we do. We'll figure it out by episode by chapter nine. By chapter nine, we'll be good. So, um, but yeah, no, this uh, this is going to be a fun one. This is one I'm really really excited about. And before we get started, we're gonna also introduce you to first our discussion for today, um, our drink. But before we do that, Ben, do you want to introduce us to the people joining us for today's conversation? Sure. Uh, we're pretty excited to have them because I think this is the first time either one of them have done a podcast before. Uh, but welcome to this chapter, our friends Damon and Liz. That that would be where you say hi. Hello. <laughs> Good day, everyone. <laughs> so, Well, before we get any further, uh, we're going to call this chapter... The Tale of Sleepy Hollow. Uh, obviously, we're going to be talking about Sleepy Hollow today in two different formats. We're going to talk about the um, old animated from 1949 from Disney, which, oddly enough, is a really almost still true to the original book telling. They didn't change much at all. Uh, and then we're going to go to a giant tonal shift and go into night back to 1999 for Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow, which is completely different and is filled with Tim Burton's weird daddy issues that he has in every one of his films. <laughs> I, um, I, I will ask the question that many others have asked us when they found out we were doing Sleepy Hollow. Are we covering the show at all? No, we aren't. We're I, not. I, I do. I do thoroughly love the show, but I think um, there's there's too much there to cover. I, I, they do a really interesting kind of twists and turns on all that. Um, but obviously, you know, really where all this begins is back in 1820 when Washington Irving wrote the original story, uh, which kind of snowballed out into so many different adaptations. But it wasn't the first version of a headless horseman. Obviously, things like the dual hands in, you know, uh, which is the classic headless rider and the uh, you know, Irish myth. But then pretty much whatever culture you go to, there's a similar one. So it's kind of cool to see how this kind of maybe made its way into upstate New York. And kind of disseminated into this version from things like Terrytown and Sleepy Hollow, where Irving was actually at, and then turned it into his own variation of the story. Uh, but before we get into that, we'll talk about real quick the drink that we're going to be all kind of sipping on throughout this discussion. And it's a special drink that we're calling the Van Tassel. So this drink is actually going to be a good mixture of... Um, just a good spiced apple cider. I would really recommend staying away from really sweet apple ciders, more on the spiced cinnamon version. Uh, ginger beer, yet again, because it's still one of my favorite mixers to make with most drinks. Um, a good bourbon, you can also kind of substitute with a rye if you prefer, and just a dash of bitters. Um, it should give a really nice, good flavor to it. Uh, you can always use an apple bourbon if you would like as well, too, or even sometimes like an apple cinnamon bourbon if you want more of a spiced flavor. But that's uh, you'll see a video component for that. In just a couple days as well, after you hear this, where you'll see how to actually make this drink as well. So, um, But Ben, do you want to kick us off into our discussion? Sure. <clears throat> so as you mentioned, we're going to be talking about both the animated Walt Disney version of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, titled The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Well, actually, it depends on where you find it, because there are two different places that you can find the animated. Right. So the original version is The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad uh, is where it first appeared, and then it broke off as well into just The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was actually, it wasn't titled The Legend of Sleepy Hollow when it was part of 
uh, the le- the Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. It was just it was called Ichabod Crane. Right. Uh, it wasn't until it broke off onto its own that it was titled The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're going to kick things off with is that animated series of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. I wonder what we're talking about this week because we've been ta- we've been saying Legend of Sleepy Hollow a lot. Uh, I think we could probably put a, a, a little tick box, you know, somewhere. In, <laughs> I think people know at this cues. point. Yeah. I think people know at this point what we're talking about, what we're discussing. It's if we go off on a tangent about, I don't know, uh, little monsters with Howie Mandel that people would get really thrown off. Oh, yeah, I wow. Think so. Yeah, that's yeah. a reference. Yeah, seriously. We <laughs> well were talking about then. doing that episode, and I'm like, no, I think I'm good. Yeah, I, think I'm yeah. good. I like how your response is, well, that's a reference. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't even mean whether it's good or not. Yes. So I like that movie. I'm going to kick it over to you guys. So you you had the opportunity to rewatch this uh, in preparation for the show. So the Disney version of of this, where where do you where does your brain go when you watch this again? Because it feels so dramatically different from watching that as a a little kid to watching that as an adult. So I'll just kick it over to you guys. So feel free to just jump in on whoever likes. One of the things I noticed when I was watching it now as an adult was. Um, I enjoyed a lot of a lot of the nuances were completely lost to me as a child. As a child, I'm having all of the, the the primal base emotion reactions to things, like you know, trying to fit in, trying to connect with the community, um, being afraid of the dark, running in the woods, things like that. And as an adult, there were there were really interesting nuances that was catching up with me, like societal choices and behaviors, and just how much Ichabod Crane ate, <laughs> and like. And it stayed so thin. And, and, and remarkably so. My God, man, your metabolism. I'm definitely in my 40s. But that's a serious it, concern that Ichabod hits me. Crane had a thyroid problem. Gonna, yeah, seriously, yeah. What I was going to say. I was like, yeah. I was like, so the biggest takeaway, Ichabod has a thyroid yeah, issue. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, something. That's, that's the only way I can include it. When, when I was a child, I didn't. I really didn't know. My parents never made game hens. And pies were like, you know, eight, nine-inch pies. They weren't like handheld pies. So as a child, I'm like, my God, he's eating a turkey? He's eating all these pies on top of a book? On a book, sir, what are you doing? And yeah, it was uh, that was one of the things that caught my attention right away, which I thought was amusing that that was the aspect that rose to the surface right away. <laughs> How about so. you, Liz? What was your takeaway? Well, so this movie and the accompanying beginning part with uh, Mr. Toad was something that my family would watch in October. We would always do the thematic movie with dinner. Um, so I was struck with memories of fifth grade, kind of a weird thing for you to think about, but, uh, we would have to pull words from life to bring in and be like, use this in a sentence. And I do remember having the day after watching this going in and being like, I learned a new word. It's coquette. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Precocious fifth grader Mm -hmm. (laughs) it does bring up elements of nostalgia when you go back and you rewatch it oh absolutely this was my first time watching it in probably 20 years easily yeah Yeah. oh easily as far as other vocabulary too though elucidate that was the first time i ever heard that word so pedagogue he he left the house gaily bedecked why aren't i leaving the house more gaily bedecked what am i doing um I got to say, one of my biggest takeaways was watching it as an adult was how much of a just jackass that Ichabod Crane really was. <laughs> he right. was like he was yeah. a, he was basically this person that came in that was just essentially a homewrecker. That's all he was. Mm-hmm. But like as a kid, you're like, oh, he's great. Like he's like, I feel so bad for him. And you're like, get to it in a, like watching him as an adult and like, what a monster! Like he's just a monster he's, of a he, human he, being. Yeah, he's, he's reckless and careless and kind of a bit of a jackass. Because just, yeah. you, you see Brom Bones as a kid, and you're like, "Oh, it's the big bully." Exactly. And then you right. watch it, and like, no, he was trying to protect his friends and the, the interests of the town the entire time. Well, do you know it's actually uh, an interesting takeaway I took when, when rewatching it is that if you actually take Brom Bones and Ichabod Crane and combine them, you get Gaston. From Beauty and the Beast. Oh man, you essentially do. That you, is, you that is get, well done. You get the the big, uh, burly guy from town that everybody knows, and then you take the womanizing from Ichabod Crane and throw that personality trait into Bron Bones. You have Gaston, but also the eating with you know what well, was it fifteen dozen eggs in the well, yeah. morning? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so, you get that as well. A little bit of gluttony, the appetite. Yeah, in but, there as well. Yeah, you get you. You also take. Ichabod's ponytail and just put it on Bronbone's head. <laughs> oh man, that is yeah, that is on everything point. just all comes together. Gaston is basically Bronbones and Ichabod Crane combined. The yeah. stars have aligned. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's super super messed up. Um, one of the things I really thoroughly enjoy though is Bing Crosby's narration yes. of this. Yeah, so good. 
So, so good. Because he, he was really just leading it with the exception of like kind of like some chorus pieces behind him and a couple like audio clips from random people that were probably in the studio. But like his narration's just stunning through that entire thing, which is really cool. But I, I got to say, though, too, the other big takeaway is Disney likes to mess with classic stories like crazy. Oh, yeah. And this is one that they really didn't mess with at all. They said, nope, this is really this this story very unfiltered, um, which is kind of a shock because normally like oh no it has to have that nice fun twist happy ending all these little things and they give that like illusion that is like well maybe Ichabod just went somewhere else and that's the, even kind of the thought process from the Washington Irving story but everybody's like nope he was taken no, like that was the end of him and that was that's that and, like the, the headless horseman took him away well so. there, there was an interesting thought I had about it too and then believe it or not it actually came to fruition in Sleepy Hollow, when I rewatched Sleepy Hollow after Legends of Sleepy Hollow, Legend of Sleepy Hollow, is that what if the Headless Horseman was indeed Braun just murdering Ichabod? Well, I, I know a couple other people. I think in the story, it kind of alludes to like Braun being the one who was scaring him and then okay. also kind of killing him because they just find bits of his stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's. It's They're, heavily alluded to in the novel right. or the short story. Yeah, and then we get a hint of that in Sleepy Hollow too, with Casper Van Dien as Braun. Yeah, like you see him riding as the headless horseman, yeah. chasing him down when we get into the Tim Burton one, and then well, that that whole plot line goes completely out the window really fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, but I mean, like I think for this one, I, there's still a couple like amazingly great favorite moments, and I still think to this day, and the moment that I go back to constantly is I love when Ron Bones does the Headless Horseman song. Like, it's such a great moment of that. Like It's what you hear at the top of the podcast. Yeah, it is. And, like, it's there's there's so, so many good clips from that. But it still even has, like, as an adult, like, this air of creepiness and this eeriness to it, like, between, like, the, the choral pieces behind him as he's telling the story. And it just, it's unsettling still, especially if you listen to it late at night in the dark room and there's something that kind of still creeps in. Like, that childhood fear still kind of exists when you hear that. Like, your mind gets to play a little bit, and it's really just exciting. I, I enjoyed when watching the fun things I, I caught up on this time around is that the townsfolk are used to this story for years. This is what they do in, you know, in autumn when they're having their, their harvest meal and all of that. And when he starts up the, the tale and they all start to really get into it, it's just it's a brusque to them. They're literally just, oh, we're doing this song. Yeah. And so they're, they're singing along, they're clapping. And they're 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 all getting into it, and he's doing it, you know, edge towards Ekabob Crane. But this is standard culture to these folks. This is a standard folk tale. Yeah, um, it kind of reminded me like when me and my wife were in Ireland um, for our honeymoon years and years ago, uh, when we stumbled upon a bar in like the town of Killarney, and at the closing of the bar, they were uh, there was a band playing, and everybody in the town was in this bar, and they were singing the old Dun Cow, and it was like that moment. Everyone there knew every line, but it was like tradition there, and it was like this is kind of awesome, and it also was terrifying because like the whole line of somebody's like you know uh, uh, I think it was somebody screamed McIntyre, and then my wife heard that, and I'm like oh no, I'm never gonna live with her again at this point. <laughs> so um, you know she still carries that on, but it's it's that idea of. I love those ideas, those folk tales in a town that just kind of disseminates out. Everybody knows that everybody knows those tales and kind of runs with it. And it becomes those local legends. But you're right, though. That's the great part. And they even say it in the story. It's, it was one of the things that Baltus Van Tassel really wanted out of his guests. At the end of the night, he wanted to hear ghost stories from all these different people. And they created their own legends in Terrytown. So that was really – it's interesting because you think about it. That's kind of how Washington Irving – wrote the story because exactly. it was a tale that existed there already mm -hmm. and it just turned into him writing it into a book so but didn't he actually meet ichabod crane there's a he was an actual person in the war yeah ichabod crane was an actual person in the war um i i think so i think it was just a mixture of all that so it's i, I think it's a really it's it's such a good name though too it is it really really is very solid it's for especially for a characterization an individual who's who's has a very strong attitude and personality and and uh Force of personality under themselves. Yeah. So I, I will say one of the other things too that I did notice in rewatching this in that it I expected there to be more of the headless horseman, but you really don't in a in a short that's only a half hour long, there's you really get maybe at the most two minutes mm -hmm. of the actual headless horseman. So I don't know. That was just something I thought for some reason I remembered there being more to it. Like I thought the chase was longer, but 
I was corrected when I rewatched it. I think the buildup is what the best part yeah, is. That was, yeah. It's like once you get from post the story being mm-hmm. told to Ichabod for the first time, and then you just get to like, it's probably like one or two in the morning of him just riding into the hollow and just the eeriness that's there. Like I, I love some of those classic shots. Cause like from 1949, this is stunning when you look at it. And like, you know, one of my favorite bits is when he like rides up to the tree and it looks like a, a specter that's about to reach out for him. And it's just, a hollowed out part of a tree with fireflies in there for eyes. But like it plays with your head so much and like, you know, the reeds beating on like an old piece of wood, all, uh, you know, the frogs making it sound like they're saying the word Ichabod. And you actually hear, hear that sound clip when you go to the Tim Burton. Yep. It's uh, in there. film. And like, oh. I'm like, I love the fact that there's that tiny little nod. And I'm like, that's so cool that they did that. So. Yeah. And it's great that a, a cartoon was able in from 1949, an animated film from 1949 was able to shine on the fact that, um, real effects are better than CGI with the, with the hollow, with the, uh, like you said, with the reeds, mm-hmm. you know, on the, on the log and everything. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was a good, th- there's so many great nods to it. I, I'm just going to go back to it. You know, one of the other things I enjoyed about this going into the whole, uh, Mr. Toad element of it, but using it as a, as a reference to Ichabod Crane, Bing Crosby and Basil Rathbone, are just two phenomenal voices. Like I'm not even going to say voice actors. They're just stunning voices that they could read the phone book. They're genuinely iconic. And, yeah. yeah, and I would listen to it. Like that's so to have, like you said, Bing Crosby doing the voice, the narration, not just of, of Bron Bones, but Ichabod Crane and the story itself was just. I was engaged just from that. Mm-hmm. I'd listened to an episode of, of Caffeine Crew and just listening to the backlog, and one of them was you guys had a. Uh, if you had someone narrate your life, would you be would you be comfortable with that? And then we watch Sleepy uh, like Bob Crane, and then I'm just like, oh, if Bing Crosby can do it, I would probably say yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so. I, I think so. I mean, it's it's super fun. Um, so any other big takeaways from this animated one, you know, or any things that still feel more unsettling now? Yes, no. Well, I would say that the fantastical or supernatural elements were much more muted for me. But I did find the fact that there wasn't really a character or a main character of the town that I liked was kind of interesting. I remember thinking, oh, well, they're pretty and I like them, but there's literally no one that has like really redeeming quality. We have Katrina who's pitting all of the men in the town against each other just for her own amusement. Mm -hmm. And Brahm who's running around and terrorizing everyone for his own amusement. And Ichabod, the womanizer who... Let's people off for having a full lunch. Yeah, like, pretty much. Who do you like here? Yeah, there's really, there's really, you're not really rooting for anybody. Yeah, nope. You're rooting for the headless horseman. <laughs> exactly. You're kind of well, like, that's oh, fine. They go can for all, all of them, go. sir. Just clean the town. It's fine. Well, they even say in the in the narration in the beginning when they first introduce you to Braun is that you know he's mischievous and he loves you know messing with people, but his intents are good. Like there's no ill malice that's towards true. what he's doing. And then that completely changes by the end when he's opening a trap door, hoping that Ichabod's going to fall down it. Like, it's <laughs> things have changed in Plot, plotting to dance with uh, with the the other lass and bring her in so he can you know do a you know sneaky you know dosy do shift around and suddenly he's dancing with the the lady of the hour and yeah it's just terrible yeah yeah, yeah there's there's definitely some hardcore fat shaming in that one oh my <laughs> god oh it's yeah terrible it's oh, pretty rough man. um it's it's yeah it's it's pretty intense but again 1949 and no one really thought about anything because everybody was an asshole in 1949 <laughs> <laughs> it was fairly on culture wise it was fairly on point for for the air they were putting it out and for kind of the the i think the the township that we were looking at at the time so i can see where you know on on, on a today's cultural level no we wouldn't find it when we necessarily enjoy or or to you know want to connect with but they weren't outwardly terrible in their own right but you know anyhow but <laughs> um i'm trying to think if there's any other last big points we want I, to get to on yeah this. i don't really think i have anything else on the animated series I, I mean again it's one of those things regardless of what age i watch it it still continues to be just wonderfully just entertaining and amusing and it's just this weird slice of life from like colonial oh, yeah. times and yeah. you're like no i believe this is probably how all of this played out exactly <laughs> that's right. it this is just for for that time frame for that period of, of our of human existence that was pretty normal that was yeah even down to the behavior. way they spoke like you mentioned the different words that you guys took 
took in. Oh, from entirely. It. Like, yeah. That's the language that they used back in 1949 or even before that. I, I will say that, you know, going back to my point about how, you know, the Headless Horseman is only maybe the last two minutes. I was doing research into it as I was watching. And that was when I discovered that it was both in Ichabod and Mr. Toad, but also in The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. And I was like, oh, maybe that's a different one and it's extended and there's more of the Headless Horseman. And I found it online. I'm like, nope, this is the same exact short that I just watched. Yeah. It's 30 minutes long. It's the same exact thing. One of the things I think it's kind of fun, though, and the because it's not going to really play into when we talk about Sleepy Hollow, but mm -hmm. it's a lot of people always question the the issue with Ichabod's horse in the Disney one, where it was just very dim. Uh, and going back and learning a little bit more about Sleepy Hollow again, uh, that horse's name is Gunpowder, and it's actually brought up in Sleepy Hollow, mm -hmm. the Tim Burton version. Right. And it was an abused racehorse that was partially blind. So that's why huh. it, it was stubborn, didn't care and acted off constantly with Ichabod in the animated film is because it was this horse at the end of its essentially end of its life that was kind of severely damaged and didn't care and was abused. And I'm like, it's an interesting way when you add that little slice and you watch the sequence when he's being chased down by Daredevil and the Headless Horseman, you're like, it all makes so much more sense now. Like, and it's very, very messed up when you think about it. Well, then the horse, like, gunpowder pauses in the graveyard and refuses to move. And yeah. he's just like, nope, nope, this is where I'm staying. I don't care. Yeah, and, pretty much. Yeah. And, and also, and also, thinking about that, it also makes a lot of sense with some of the sequences that we got in that final chasing, too. Because I have to admit, as, you know, as an almost 40-year-old person, uh, you know, when... Ichabod hits his chin on the on the branch and spins around and mm -hmm. ends up on Daredevil and then it happens again. He ends up back on on uh, on Gunpowder. The first time it happens when Ichabod turns around and Gunpowder's literally just chasing behind him. I'm like, now it makes sense. I'm like, oh, because Gunpowder was partially blind. Mm -hmm. He probably didn't realize that's what he was doing. Yeah, but so, even those scenes still made me chuckle. Oh yeah, I mean it, it's that still like wonderful like. Mary Melody's kind of like, you know, Looney Tunes-esque feeling, those old classic, you know, Mickey Mouse cartoons where, like, you have that slapstick element that they kind of still filtered into what essentially was kind of a terrifying sequence when you're a little kid. You're like, oh, this is still really, really intense. Yeah. So. I mean, I, I rode horses and learned how to ride. They always put you on the oldest, most cranky, cantankerous animal that they have. So, I mean, I have memories of being tried having a horse try to shove me off on like the side <laughs> of the fence. So Gunpowder's whole attitude made total sense to me. <laughs> Absolutely. Obviously he doesn't want to be there and is just like looking for the easiest way out. It's like, nope, I'm done. This is it. When you rode horses, did you ever hit your chin on a branch and flip around? You know, I never did that. Okay. No. Because yes. that would be, I would be curious if that's ever really I, happened I to anyone. I a bit as a child also. Still never happened. Never just happened? Very disappointed. Oh. Very oh. disappointed. Man, Disney lies to us. Would not ride again. Oh, my no. God. That's <laughs> what, it's a Yelp review for riding. Zero now. out of ten. <laughs> Would not ride again. Would not ride again. All right. So I guess the last thing we have to do here is actually everybody give a rating. So we didn't have a rating scale for our pilot episode. And we were trying to think, uh, figure it out. And it was the most simple rating scale that we could think of that was so fitting. So as simple as a thumbs up, thumbs down. But uh, a thumbs up is a treat. Thumbs down is a trick. Uh, so, Damon, what do you give this? I'm going to give it a treat okay. um, because I feel that it, I agree with you, Rob, that it was one of the few pieces that Disney has put out that they took the, the legend in the story and basically put it down whole cloth. There's no changes, no adaptations. There's no beautiful, happy ending other than Brahm and, and Coquette getting, getting married. Coquette. <laughs> <laughs> Katrina. 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 My apologies. Uh, the Coquette is Katrina. And um, getting married at the end, but it, it it's so it they but they left it whole cloth and I enjoy the 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 authentic nature of the story that was maintained and the era was put out. I enjoyed it as a as a I enjoyed it as a as a as a piece. That was fantastic. And I enjoyed it as a short, as a thirty minute piece. It was a great exactly. campfire tale. Exactly. Exactly. Liz. Oh, it's a treat. It's a solid piece of nostalgia. Yeah. I always enjoy watching it over and over again. Yeah. I could I I'm going to be right there with you and again, it's a treat for me. It's it's still there's so many wonderful as you put it, just great nostalgic moments, but you always feel like you uncover a little bit more every time you watch it and your brain starts doing these weird things. So like, well, was that a possibility? What happened here? And then you start actually like going back and thinking about the legend a little bit more so outside of this. And it's, it always takes me down this weird, weird spiral and, but it still is, again, it always brings me back to being a kid and I love it. Ben. Uh, it's a treat. Uh, it's absolutely a treat. It's one of those things, I guess that I haven't seen in probably 
a decade to two decades, but was still just as enjoyable watching it this time around as an adult than I watched it as a kid. Yeah. So, I, and other than what every what has been said by everybody else, I don't really think there's anything else I can add to it. Cool. Um, so, do you want to take us into our next one? No. No. Okay. No. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. So we we talked about the animated series Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Now we're going to go into the 1999 Sleepy Hollow, uh, written and directed by Tim Burton and starring Johnny Depp. Uh, I want to say first off, before we jump into anything else, how pleasant it was to watch a Johnny Depp Tim Burton partnership without Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. I, I literally had a moment where I swear we're, we're starting to watch the movie. Isn't Helena Bonham Carter this one? No, it's the only one She's that's pop not up happening. Somewhere, right? Yeah, exactly. She's one of the town people. You just can't see her. She's out of the shot. It's fine. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Helena Bonham Carter. Oh yeah, no, fantastic actress. Absolutely, but, but she's in. Everything that those two I'm do together. Sure, I'm pretty sure if they had a relationship beforehand, the Miranda Richardson role would have been played by Helen. Oh, Bonham. exactly. It would, it would have been expected. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely it would have been. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is a, you know, like we said, we're going back to, at least for myself, 1999. That's a year after I graduated high school. So yes, we're going 20 back. 20 years ago. 20 years. Uh, but I will say... Uh, I, I didn't remember a lot of this movie because I probably haven't seen it since 1999, 2000. I kind of really enjoyed going back to it. It was, you know, we're seeing a little bit of a more fresher face Johnny Depp. Mm -hmm. For some reason, I'm so used to him having like facial hair and looking darker and everything that he does. And we see him relatively, he's clean shaven. I'm like, wow, this is a different Johnny Depp than I'm used to. But it was, it was still kind of what he like was. The Edward Scissorhandsy. Yeah, it was just, yeah. Just, I think of him as stark Johnny Depp. Like yes. Johnny Depp without anything crazy going on. It's just Johnny Depp confused and trying to figure out what the hell's going on. <laughs> But I will say one of the things that the, this movie really made me think about it even more is one of the things I know he's had his problems in personal life, you know, in his marriages and, you know, finances and everything. He is a hell of an actor. He gets into every role that he does. Well, I think that's one of the hardest things, though, too, is especially in today's day and age. And I think it's incredibly important to know the people that you're supporting as far as their craft and their art. But like when people have a bad history or atrocities or anything behind them. Like you, there's a still part that you have to kind of, I think take and say, okay, so can we still enjoy old art from this person? And I think the answer is it's really going to depend on the person. I try to say, this is a piece of entertainment that a whole bunch of people were involved in, not just this one person and having that one person potentially ruin it. I think is where it, it, problems can really start to occur. You get to that point, and then essentially everything that exists in the ether, as far as entertainment, you technically can't enjoy you can't watch anymore. Right, yeah. right. Well, I mean, and Johnny Depp's never done anything atrocious. Like he's never uh, he, well, the jury's still out. Well, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll but, leave I it mean, at that. But I mean, he's never done anything like Spacey esque or anything like that. Uh, the jury's still out. So the um, it's, it's, I, I know there's some physical abuse accusations, but you know, if it was on top of that, because I was um, we were watching the movie and, and I rang up the. Ferris Bueller principal thing. I am a real yeah, okay. Jeffrey Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And we were we were throwing we're things. Like, who is that? If oh. we were not watching, how come I haven't seen him? How come I haven't seen the movies in a while? And Liz looked it up and I was like, oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh. And um there's 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 some issues in this movie with some people. <laughs> yeah, so but also like you you get into that first sequence when you get into the house and you look at all of the elder statesmen of, oh, of yes. the town of Sleepy Hollow. I'm like, well, there's Ian McDermott. So oh, yeah. we have Emperor Palpatine. Right. <laughs> we have the principal from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, or also Satan from Stay Tuned, because I'm going to drop oh, that Oh, my reference. God, thank you. You make me so um, happy. Then you have Dumbledore. See, I think of, I think and then of then you, then Mom you have, and Dad. Then you have... And save the universe? Save, save yes. the, Mom and Dad save the world, yeah. Uh -huh. Save the world, yeah. And then you also have, um, oh, my God, Alfred from Batman. Mm-hmm. And... Oh, that's right. Oh, um, yes. And I can't remember... The other actor's name, but um, my brain always wants to go to the Naked Gun films because he was the opera <laughs> he singer. Was the, he was in Naked Gun uh, Two and a Half. Oh yes, yes, yes. He yes. was the, right. the oh nuclear God, scientist. Right. Yeah, he was the scientist, right. and he was in Richie Rich. So that's right, he was in Richie so, Rich. Uh, but yeah, so I always put all those together, and you look at that, and you're like, "There's so much like good who's talent who? in this room." <laughs> oh yeah, and then there's some really pe people, as you mentioned, Jeffrey Jones. There's some messed up issues <laughs> in this room as well, Jeffrey. Why? <laughs> yeah. Well, even when the movie first starts, and you're going and you're running through those opening credits, as you're, you know, uh, uh, the the name Christopher Walken came up. I'm like. Christopher Walken where is it? Where are they folding him into remember. this? Yeah, oh. and then when you initially see him as the Hessian, I'm like, oh, that's right. I forgot he because he's not in much of the movie at all. He's mm -hmm. in the beginning and the end. Yeah, 
I mean, honestly, in addition to that, though, too, um, if memory serves correctly, uh, the person that's in the carriage in the very beginning, that was Martin Landau, wasn't it? Yes. Okay, that's yes. what I thought. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, because he's the first one that's killed in the beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. And when you see the face, your brain's going, that's somebody I know, and I'm trying to put it right. together, and I'm like, yep, that's Martin Landau. I'm like, that's kind of awesome. Yeah. A lot of familiar faces in the movie. Casper Van Dien, Christina Ricci. Um, yeah, the, the list just keeps going on and on and on. It's got such a stunning cast where it, they're just... And everybody really kind of just acts the hell out of the movie, too, which is so much fun because it's such a goofy concept to take this and twist it the way that they did. But it still kind of worked. I forgot that Christopher Lee was the magistrate yeah, oh, in I New did. York. Yeah. And, and I, <laughs> I, I, I'm like, sir, it's good to see you again. Oh, I know. Yeah. It's, um, but, I, you know, I think the, the big place to start is the massive change in Ichabod Crane's character. Oh, he yeah. is no longer this just random school teacher. Uh, they have him essentially as a turn of a century detective, uh, which is kind of bizarre. Not gonna lie. Yeah. So, but they keep. But at the same time, they keep the intelligence of a school teacher, but incorporate it into that. In that, when you first meet him, he's one of these detectives who wants to try new methods because he feels people are being wrongfully incarcerated, uh, which unfortunately is something that happens in this day and age too. But it's. You know, they do keep that intelligent aspect of being a school teacher and just incorporate it into that element of him being a detective. Like changes occupation is mechanic approach to things, still pushing the 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 edge and trying to encourage people, but doing so from a criminologist sort of perspective. Mm-hmm. So yeah, well, because if you if you were to take the straight up Washington Irving version of Legend of Sleepy Hollow and turn it into a movie like this, Ichabod really doesn't play that large of a role. No, as if he did when you know you make him a detective and he's investigating these murders, because otherwise he's just somebody who's going to lock himself in a room, or he's going to be one of the first people murdered. So the to to change the element of what his career was, I thought was a smart move. I think so, at least. I think it's interesting that they take away the superstitious aspect and add in some aggressive squeamishness. He's a detective, a homicide detective, who doesn't like the sight of blood. Like, right, yeah. What a fascinating character it's, trait they've decided to give him. Yeah, pretty much. It, 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 you know, the, the, oh, I think the big thing, too, is the fact that they tried to build upon his character in really weird kind of ways. <laughs> right. I mean, and it's like, again, when you watch the film and you're like, okay, this is... It's a it's a slight tweak and a slight change, and it's kind of cool, and I'm like where it's going. And then all of a sudden, you see the scars in his hands, and you're like, where's this going? And then as that unfolds in the movie, we're like, they didn't need to do this, I think. I think we're, we would have been fine cutting about 15 minutes from oh, this I, film. I was, I was wondering for that a little bit. I, mean, I think they were just doing it for just overall ominous effect. Well, you know what it kind of essentially was, though, is if you think about it, going back and looking at the movie, they kind of played up this whole angle of witchcraft a lot more, which was, oh, yeah. was kind of cool. They, they, they really made it seem like, you know, they, they had Ichabod's mother being kind of, you know, it really in tune with nature. You know, they had her, you know, essentially as a, you know, a practitioner or, you know, followed paganism uh, was Wiccan, any of those potentials. Like, they don't really go into it, so we don't know the specifics. But um, And then she's married to somebody that's part of the church that's very against all these things and how that kind of unfolds. And it really matches the time. Like, you think about, you know, Terrytown and Sleepy Hollow. You, we're talking about this is probably meant to take place. This was meant to take place at what? The end of the 1700s? 1799. Is that actually? Yep. Yep. So we're not really far removed from the events of Salem. Like we're less than 100 years at this point in time. Yeah, exactly. Based in this timeline. And Salem is from there. This was like a three day ride probably by horse from Terrytown to there. Like I, you know, I've had the pleasure of going to Terrytown and then going to Salem directly after. And it was such oh, wow. one of those great magical you know, trips, being able to be there at Washington Irving's grave, be there on the Headless Horseman Bridge and see the town in full and then make a trek up to Salem because you take this legacy of a ghost story and then you see the atrocities of what happened in a town because probably a lot of the things those that tied together and spawned these legends and such. So it was really interesting to see how that blended together. But I think when you see it here... They take those same concepts and make it together. It plays out a little kooky at times, but like at the same time, it's still really an interesting wrinkle to his story. And I think that's what kind of can be fun about it. But at the same time, it it lacks a little bit and it slows things down. So yeah, I think the Iron Maiden was a little, a little much, a little much. <laughs> I mean, had she been accused of witchcraft around that time, they would have just hung her. 
It wouldn't have shoved her in anything. It would have just strung her up somewhere. Yeah. That was about it. That's about it. Oddly enough, if memory serves correctly, too, and I I could be wrong. Again, the Raven uh, Claw cap is going on, but I'm fairly certain, too. Iron Maidens were actually never used. That is correct. That is correct. They were were built, but they were there more as a tool to kind of convince people to speak out. Because the people that... And again, it was more of like Spanish Inquisition-y time. Where they were they were built but never utilized. So yeah, I think that's always kind of a weird kind of thing that people go and use that. But also, of course, when those doors of the Iron Maiden open and essentially it's the shining scene with the elevators <laughs> yeah, opening right. up. Yeah. Like, yeah. What just happened? Uh, it's <laughs> so that's interesting. I never knew Iron Maidens were never used. They were nope. never used. Never never used. More, more of a threat than anything else. Exactly. 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 So basically that whole scene in Bill and Ted's excellent adventure is BS. Unfortunately, well, yes, sir. When they say yes. put him in the Iron Maiden. Yes. yes. They were never gonna do it. There yeah. was never a Time traveling phone bo- booth. Yes, ever. <laughs> George I'm Carlin. Sorry, oh, go good point. The I'm whole thing, sorry to disappoint you. Oh, I thought it was a documentary. My childhood's been shattered. <laughs> I know. The yes. downside is, in my heart of hearts, I, I I now have to think that George Carlin he 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 didn't just go back to the future, and actually, unfortunately, did really die. So I'm I'm sorry to break that to you. Oh, oh man. <sighs> disappointing so I, I know this is kind of getting off topic but uh the man in the iron mask that was not a iron maiden then that was something different that well an iron mask that was that's something completely okay yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. That, that so was, that's not an that iron, actually okay. i think was actually utilized to a certain degree i very, believe so but i could it was it was wrong. not like a, a widespread action no, no, no so no, no. well jay garrick wore one for a while so yeah we're getting way <laughs> off topic this is not DC Prime Ex- time. Ex- Moving Ex- on. Ex- Excellent nod, though. Well done, sir. Yeah, well thank done. Thank you. Moving on. Um, but so as far as the storyline between Bron Bones, Katrina, and Ichabod, why don't we focus on that? Because we oh, yeah. have, it's very, very different. Different? It is different. <laughs> so I'll kick it over to Liz. I'm curious on your thoughts on that. Uh, well, I just, I find it interesting mostly because... I have a fondness for the actress who plays Katrina in this just because she's my Wednesday Adams. So I just at this point think that she can't really do much wrong. Yeah. 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 It's, I, I I love Christina Ricci. I think she's just this wonderful rock star of an actress that picks weird, unique projects that she cares about and wants to do. And it's this was one of those. Uh, and she was still relatively young, I think, in this film. I think she was only like 19 years old. She yeah. yeah. I did read somewhere that it was weird for her to play opposite Johnny because they met when she was like nine. And yeah, so like so. trying to be like romantic with this romantic individual with this that person you- that she met when she was a child is a, a little weird. A little but, much. Yeah. A little much. Um, the problems yeah. of Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Indeed. I guess, I guess that is an issue that you'd have to face. Um, but with the, I guess... It's not a triad situation or the, the love triangle thing. Awkward um, dance? Sure, that yeah, works. Yeah. I found it more interesting that the Katrina of this story seemed less interested in Brahm than the Katrina of the previous story. Yeah, that seemed like that just didn't matter. It feels like the Brahm Bones character in this was just really kind of just there for flavor. Right. It was just kind of like, well, he's part of the original legend, so we have to find a way to squeeze him in somehow. Right. Well, his name was actually different in this one, too. He was still Brom, but he was Brom Van Brunt. Yeah. In this one. Oh, so right. They, he had they, a different last name. He had yeah, a different yeah. last name. Yeah. I, I maybe wonder when we're watching Sleepy Hollow versus the uh, Adventures of Ichabod Crane is whether or not that he was, uh, if uh, Bones was just like a nickname and then perhaps or they, they wanted to make him, give him a proper last name. I was not. I think in the that. book, Brom is the nickname, and his first name is Alexander. I think that's correct. That, it's been so. a, that makes more sense, yeah. I, it's been a long time since I read the original 1820s book. Um, right. And I feel like I need to know again, because it's it's kind of sparked that again in my brain. It was like, I was like, yeah, I really want to see how those things pair up again. But I, I was more interested in the casting choice for Brom. Good old Casper Van Dien. Rico. Because, I mean, I thought about it, too. Like it, It's funny, because you see Casper Van Dien now as, as Brom, and you're like, well... That's an interesting choice because what the hell has Casper Van Dien done other than like a bunch of B-list, you know, C and D-list movies? But at the time, he was only a year or two off of Starship Troopers. His that's right. His star was still pretty high at that point. Right. So I mean, he was the star of Starship Troopers, and that made him a name at least for a couple of years. So he was still riding that when he got mm-hmm. you know put into that. I do want to say though that the scene with with Johnny Depp and Casper Van Dien fighting the headless horseman, and the headless horseman just literally tearing him and like slicing him in half i was like oh well i didn't remember that happening but that was that was interesting <laughs> to watch 
Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Guess we're writing his character. Huh? Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Well, that's done. Yeah. yeah. It's like, well, I guess I guess he's not going to marry Katrina by the end of the story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sorry, honey. Things, Changing a bit. Things have changed slightly. Um, so I think one of the other big pieces, too, for, for me in this is the Headless Horseman plays a much more significant role in this story. Oh, and yes. like dramatic in a dramatic way. Like they're utilizing him to basically take down people, you know, throughout the town, like consistently. And it's you know, he's pretty much become a weapon of mass destruction in this tiny little, you know, backwoods town of, of New York. But it plays right along with the whole witchcraft element and everything yeah. that they're doing in that, you know, this is basic he's used as a weapon. He is under somebody's command. A diabolical servant. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And it, it plays really well when you think of the changes that they did with the witchcraft and everything. Yeah, I actually really thought that was a really kind of fun angle to kind of be able to utilize this character in a more terrifying manner. And I love one of the things too is anytime he does show up there's some really beautiful sequences. One of my favorites is, I think it's, um, uh, it's, is it Masmuth? Uh, uh, his, it was his father. It was when he's up in the tower and he's looking out and then you see like this kind of, just these dead trees and this fog rolls in. Yes. I mean, and then yeah. all of the torches, you see them, you know, these tendrils of uh, fog come out and snuff them out. Oh yeah. It's such a, oh, I love that shot. It's so gorgeous to look at. Because there was something, something happened similar in actually the animated short, wasn't it? Where the, where the, the candles yeah, the, were taken out? No, not the candles, but like you see the moon and then the, Clouds and fog turn into hands, hands and, and they and close they cover. out, and they close close out, out the, the moon. moon yes. right? it's, yeah, it's so beautiful. Very good nod. It was I, very I, subtle. Yeah. yeah, it was really cool. But like we also see that too. And I can't remember. It was um, uh, it was the not the magistrate. It was um. Oh my gosh, the one it, from the midwife. The midwife. Yes, it was the midwife and her husband. Um, when they're attacked. Uh, you also have this moment where you see the little boy that has you know the um the candle. And the projections off of it from the little piece of steel that are rotating around. And you see this beautiful twisted look. And it almost reminded me of like when you see Night on Bald Mountain. It looked like the same shapes that were arcing across oh, the walls. Yes. Like it was the same kind of carvings with all the kind of ghosts and such. But at the same time, though, you see the father walk into like the fireplace. And he like just tosses something in there real quick. And you see the flames come up. And you see the shape of demon faces in the fire. And oh, it's really no. subtle, but it's wow. really beautiful looking when you catch it. Now I want to go back and rewatch yeah, the movie. I don't know about you, but I'm rewatching that when I get back. <laughs> yeah. To catch up yeah, on that. Like this flames arc up and it's it's subtle, but if you if you watch oh, well. it, I think it's like three or four faces that come out of the flames before the horseman comes and actually kills off the husband and wife. Hmm. And still horrifying sequence for that little child in the basement. And you see oh, yeah. the mother's head roll across the floor with a dead eye staring at this kid. And you're like, well, that's a lot of therapy there for the rest of his life. Well, which is all of uh, a matter of 30 seconds. Yes. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. So, Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. he's... Uh, does not survive the encounter. No, no, he does not. No. No, he does not. But it's... um, Yeah, there's a lot of great things, though, between those two. Like, I love the, the, the dead tree, the devil's tree in that, too, is very... <laughs> Wonderful to look at and the, stunning to see. The only nitpick I have, and I actually had to jump back 10 seconds and look at it again, and even after I looked at it, my initial nitpick changed to a different nitpick, is when you see the skull of the Headless Horseman. Um, at first, I had to go back and look at it, because when I saw it the first time, I was like, well, wait a minute, the Headless Horseman's teeth were pointy, oh, right. and the skull isn't. And then I went back and I looked, and I'm like, okay, the teeth are pointy on the, on the skull. But then when you see the Headless Horseman return... The teeth are so wide apart, but the skull's not. The no. teeth are all together. Like they he's are. Got a full mouth of teeth. Yeah. And the headless horseman only has, like, he's got some serious gaps between every single tooth. So my different nitpick with that skull okay. is that supposedly he had his like head cut off, and depending on. I took a forensic anthropology class. Uh, oh my! Depending, no, depending is on um, where that would have been, there would have been like like cervical spine bits still attached, and there 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 isn't. It's just a skull, so there there was no like. And Come then, on, Tim Burton! I'm yeah. like, yeah. you're gonna you're gonna go for it, go for it. Seriously, look and, if Neil deGrasse Tyson can make t can make James Cameron change the stars in Titanic. <laughs> Let's do a director's cut of Sleepy Hollow and change the bone structure of the skull. Just my right, and important. this was what, what like it was twenty something years, twenty past? years, exactly yeah. twenty years ago. Yeah. So, how much decomp really had gone on with like this? There would have still been like 
bits still involved. Bits, and it's yeah. such a beautifully clean skull. And I'm like, come on, guys. What'd <laughs> well, she do? Know. Hydrogen peroxide it before <laughs> she boiled it down. Doing That's so her necromancy. Boiled, boiled the skull. I boiled, can see that. Boiled the skull and said, hey, you know what? Like I said, we're going to do this. We're going to do this, you know, right. And we're going to show that we have some care into this, you know. I, they can see the the argument now. Well, on hermetic level, you would want to prepare the specimen you use for these things and boil the skull and remove unnecessary objects. This is witchcraft, not hermetic magic. Stop that. <laughs> you can't go to that level of detail. No one's, Everyone's going to look at it going, why is the teeth not pointy? Why is there not, like, you know, vertebrae still hanging off of that head? So, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. So, I, I, there's a really fun little interesting nod. Do you guys know who played the Headless Horseman? And I'm not talking about the Christopher Walken part, but actually who embodied. Yes, I, I do, do. But I don't yes, know his well, name. This was something I was curious about because it, who I as I was watching it, I actually was curious, like, who is the okay. stuntman playing? All right. It's the, the same guy who was Darth Maul. Ray Park. It's Ray Park? Yeah. It's Ray Park. Oh, that's Ray amazing. Ray Park actually is the body. Which is the makes body. sense because when you look at the weapon skills that he has, hmm? that makes a lot of sense. And this is just a couple months off of the release of Phantom Menace. Episode one? Okay. Oddly enough. Oh, really? It is. He had the Florentine down. It was yeah. A, yeah, it and, was uh, impressive. the following year, we had X-Men where he played Toad. Right. So yes. This was his I big. Forget yeah. I forget that he's Toad. I remember him as Toad yeah. versus Darth Maul, which mm-hmm. is funny to me. I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's, I should be remembering Darth Maul. As a part of the, you know, Star Wars, you know, legacy. Yeah. So. so he was riding his uh, his fame at the time, too. Yeah. Doing a bunch yeah of stuff. He, was, he was really sought after. I mean, and, I, and you know, he's still done a, and a ton of stuff till to this day, really. Uh, you know, again, recently even just appearing in Solo. That was still Ray yeah, Park. That's so. right. That's, that, that's really cool. I love the fact that that was Ray Park. I had no idea. But it made me curious when you see the weapons, the way he can spin the axes with the sword play that he does, It that makes totally makes sense that that was Ray Park. Well, it either had to be that guy or the guy who plays in like every single Guillermo del Toro thing where he gets like his entire body covered in latex. Like, yeah, pretty much. It's, it's either of those two in any of <laughs> Well, if you look at it too, I mean, the, the way that the Headless Horseman was, like he was a taller guy, even mm-hmm. with his head, he had to be over six feet tall. But Ray Park's not a tall guy. No, he's so he fairly short. So he dude. can fit into that outfit and still make the character look tall without a head. So which well, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah, I mean they they used I think green screen wraps around his head for the entire film. Okay, so, so it wasn't like anything like where the head was down into the torso or anything like that for the way that they built the costume. It was purely he was he was he was out and about like he, he was see. out and about yeah with green screen wraps around his head the entire time. That's and pretty cool. So, I would love to find some behind the scenes stuff. I that. wonder if yeah. you don't ever see his feet and they just have him stand at a particular angle or situation. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, probably. I mean, I'm sure too. I mean, it, it's such a great look, though, for the Headless Horseman. Down oh, to the spurs well and done. everything. It's just a stunning costume for it. And it just looked so solid. And down to the sword and the hilt of that. Uh, I think one of my favorite shots is when they're giving the, the story of the Hessian, like their version of it. Um, that wonderful sequence where after he's buried, it's the sword into the, the dirt where his grave is with Daredevil standing on top of it, bloodied. And I'm like, it's such a gorgeous, gorgeous shot. I love it so much. But so any other big pieces for you guys, um, you know, between story changes to depictions of witchcraft to any of those things, because I think there's a lot to unpack here. Like, really? Well, I think the other nitpicky problem I had was that they made it really easy to, like, take apart the bones of animals. And as someone who has done that kind of thing, (laughs) let me tell you, it is not that easy to cut off the crow foot or like a bat head. Like, it takes... A little bit more effort than just slice, <laughs> <laughs> chop, gently remove. Oh no! Did you were like watching it? And she's like, "That's that does not actually happen that way." I don't know why they think <laughs> no? Other people point out inconsistencies with other things, and I'm like, it "Takes more effort to decapitate a bat." <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed the the natural subtlety of the, of the plot uh, the plot points and all of the the clues that were being put through. Like when they uh, the book only book you should be following is this one. He dumps the Bible on there and he flips open the page and that's when he sees the family tree, as was very common back in the Bibles back in the day in, in the smaller communities. And so he could like that. It was a vi- it was a very good subtle like slide of that clue in there and then to factor in later. And I enjoyed the the build out of the of the mystery pieces as 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 to figure out the the plot and how it was layered with the um how have I already forgotten her name? Katrina. Katrina no. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually referring to the to the um the, um, the archer, the witch. Uh, oh. oh my god. 
Lady Van Tassel? I don't know. Let's go with Lady Van Tassel. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, let's just do that. It is actually Lady Van Tassel. It's yep. yeah. her proper name. Yeah, Miranda and Lady, yeah, when Lady yeah. Van Tassel and how the the you had the the overarching internal mystery and then her behavior like lofting over it and how that built out beautifully and was nestled on top of the, the Sleepy Hollow uh, superstitions and and how the witchcraft blended into that. And I thought it was very natural and, and felt very comfortable. It wasn't forced. They weren't like gluing things on. Like, we really want to make this work. And they're trying to like shove things into place and, and glue things on that are that are just not cohesive to a story or natural at all. It flowed very well for me in that capacity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the other thing too is, you know, when you look at the subtle nods of things that, you know, are kind of looking towards the future of the story, the whole caged bird. Uh, with you know the red sparrow or whatever the cardinal what it was yeah, when he spun cardinal. it in exactly. the cage, um, you know it came into play later. You know when he says things aren't always what they seem, mm-hmm. and it helps him to realize the whole cut on the hand when they autopsy when he when the body of supposedly Lady Van Tassel comes in, and it makes him realize okay things aren't always what they seem. Right. But I thought about that and I'm like, well, you could take the cardinal out of that, and if you're a good detective, you can still figure that out. Yeah. Even without the whole cardinal thing, but I do understand why they put it in there to kind of well, again, foreshadow the future of the story. It's you know what it is. I, I refer to it as a shower moment. That's what it is. It is very it much is, a shower like moment. When you're trying to resolve a problem. You're like, you know what? I'm going to take a nap, or I'm going to get a shower. And you're like, ah, I got to, I got to jump out of here and figure, like, just take care of this now because <laughs> I realized what I screwed up. Exactly. And yeah. when he he was finally leaving the situation, he had he had blamed Katrina for all of the, the the oh you're behind all of this. You're the one who caused all these deaths. This is this is you. They built that MacGuffin very well, I thought. Oh, though. yeah, the very much so, very much so. Like, uh, her reading when he like they first have a uh, moment inside the house, and she's like, oh, I'm just reading a book, and she tucks it away, like, kind of like something. Very to, well done, yes. To, to hide. Um, but it's but it's always subtle. It's not really smashed in your face. And it's just no. kind of like, oh, it's just a book from my mother. You know, it, it's a romance book. My dad doesn't like me to read them. You're like, could it be more than that? But your brain just kind of like, yeah, that sounds right, especially for the times. Um and they, they just build that up and build that up and build it up. It's always these tiny, small increments. And then eventually it's kind of like that MacGuffin's fully revealed. And then you're right. That moment plays perfectly. It, yeah. it, it's great. I, I do, I do want to say one of my favorite parts of this, though, was when they're in the church and, you know, you see the chalk in her oh hand my and everything. Oh, God. That's still such a stunning moment. When, oh, yeah. With everything, that, with everything that happens yeah. into it. But the fact that the Headless Horseman takes that plank and just throws it through the window and yanks him out. It's like, okay, I might not be able to step foot in here, but I can still get you. Exactly. And it it adds such a new element to it that I love. And he pulls the body right up to the edge of the property of the, of the sanctified grounds yep. to chop the head off. And just, just, just over the put, space. Just to put the head past it. And that's so great. Yeah. But I, what I loved about that, though, the cinematography for that sequence, because like... The old Dutch church, the way that they make it, it looks so dark and dreary. And then you have this moonlight lighting up this gorgeous piece of stained glass. And when that shatters, it's just like, oh, lighting throughout the entire movie was very well done. (laughs) That's the one thing, though, like regardless of like a Tim Burton film, regardless of even if it's something more like along the lines of something like Big Fish, which I think is still a stunning movie, um, is the visual looks of every one of his pieces. They they have this very particular feeling whether it's dark or even if it's brightly colored there's a sense of wonder regardless of what you're looking at so i forget that he does that because i think tim burton black and white stripes with like tonally it's different from what he's done before yeah just just that's I mean, what I think. Yeah. And then like, you, and then you watch Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I'm like, oh God, don't do this ever again, please. And then we're to use all of the please crayons. <laughs> yes. You're right. Big fish. It's like, wait, Johnny Depp and Helena Bonham Carter are not in this movie. This isn't no, Helena Bonham Carter is in Big Fish. Is she? Oh, yeah. it's been a while since I've She's seen the it. Witch. Right. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen it. This is, he has uh, tone personality. But we're not like trying to get Johnny Depp and Helena Bonham Carter together while Tim watches. So that's, that's at least. Yeah. Yeah. There's been interview jokes about that happening, actually. <laughs> that's good. And, and what she just referred to about people teasing them, going, What's what's happening here, guys? I, I swear, yeah, it, before I knew Tim Burton and Helena were together, I could have swore Johnny Depp and Helena were together. Yeah. No, that's it's Well, they were interviewing Tim Burton and Johnny Depp. And this is, yes, we've made yet another movie. We've made a movie where, for once, I'm, um, Tim's not trying to marry me to his wife. <laughs> That was actually uh, said during an interview that Johnny had said. Are you and okay, Liz? Laughed about me. <laughs> it, so looked sorry, like, my it looked like the Van Tassel was about to go out from your, your the your, nose. Your, yeah, your, yeah, a little bit. I didn't it. realize that that was something that they actually they they went ahead mentioned. and like made a joke about it. It was Entertainment Weekly 
probably half a millennia ago at this point. Well, yeah, because the they're, they're no longer married. And, yeah, but. No, I mean, no. you look at like um, uh, Sweeney Todd. I mean, the, yes, the two characters right. are yes. together by the end of it. They both die, but they're, you know, you know, they're together for a majority of the movie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like I said, I, would lo- I wish we could do that one as a, a an episode in this, but I know we just can't. It's just definitely not right for the family-friendly. No, it's but, not, but uh, I love that no. movie. Absolutely no. not. No. I love no. that movie, though. I love oh, Sweeney yes, Todd. Yes. I thought it was so well done. Oh, God, it was gorgeous. And Rupert Giles is is got a quick moment in that Anthony Stewart head. Correct, sir. So yeah. does um, right. It's not a it's not a cameo moment, but I mean, other than Sasha Baron Cohen and uh, oh, what's his name? He passed away. Harry Potter, Severus Snape, Alan, Alan Rickman. Rickman, Alan Rickman. Rickman. That's yep. right. Yeah. So yeah, a couple of nice little quick moments, but yeah. yeah. Uh, so final thoughts on the 1999 Sleepy Hollow from Tim Burton. Uh, starting with Damon. It is. It has always been one of my favorite. Um, kind of fall sound Halloween sort of movies to watch. Um, it's one of the first Blu-rays ever bought, actually, when Blu-ray started being a thing. Um, you know, might as well throw, there's three rating, rating in here, too. Trick or treat? I'm going to go with treat. Um, it, uh, I, I, in a lot of ways, I, have, I hadn't realized it until I watched them again, but I viewed them almost as separate tales and um, that, they're, that they're based on the same kind of source material. Um, and so Sleepy Hollow, to me, is a, like an occult mystery. And it is done extremely well on a well-known uh, tale. So it's almost like an almost Disney nod-esque sort of thing. The story has changed on the one one of the one pieces Disney's not changed, which is interesting. But it's it is always, you know, um the the plot unwinds great. I think it's a great elaboration with the witchcraft involved that the lighting's beautiful. It's a very gorgeous shot, organic movie. I'm I'm it has cheesy moments, but I love the cheese. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So Liz. Well, it's definitely a treat for me. I think of it along the same lines as like a uh, Penny Dreadful, not the show Penny Dreadful, but similar kind like of a, thing. Like a traditional Penny Dreadful. A tra- traditional one where you're not like watching it for the intricacies and the, the highbrow plot. You're watching it because it's entertaining and it has elements that you like. Yeah. So Here, here. Uh, I'm going to go treat as well. Um, I think, you know, like I said, this is mostly built on family friendly. I, I do think this one's gates the line just a little bit. Agreed. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Because of, again, some of the violence and such. But, you know, I will say it's it's an interesting evolution of the classic campfire legend. So I think it's one of those ones where we say, you know, the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad is good for all ages. Sleepy Hollow, as soon as I think, like, that tween age hits, I think it, it works well because it really is it terrifying, but I think there's a just enough that it gets under your skin just perfectly as long as, you know, parental units are okay with decapitations. Thankfully, it's, the blood is more playful than it is anything else, I think, in the way that they do it here. It's it's comical, and they, I think, like, you even see it, it almost looks like red wax, like, coming out. You well, know, they when did they do say it. that in, like, they had to shoot with a certain color lens, so the blood was less red and more orange, mm-hmm. and I think that kind of, like... Still plays a part. Well, I also yeah. think a smart move, too, was taking the whole element of that, the sword that the horsemen used, carterized the wounds. Oh, yeah. So there really it wasn't cuts, over... It cuts the gore down. It cuts bit. the gore down, exactly. Yeah, and it's it's it's, it's a hellfire blade, and yeah. so it's yeah. actually, you know, carterizing the wounds as it goes through sort of thing. Yeah. And I enjoyed when, when Johnny's cutting into the tree... And like he's he's hacking at it, and oh, it's an Evil Dead two moment. Like oh, they, they very much, it's almost it's like amazing. a nod because yeah. like, I could just see some, like a grip or somebody off stage squirting him in the face <laughs> with fake blood. And you know that's exactly what was happening. I know. Oh yeah, and you yeah. can see him like this is happening. I have to keep doing this, and this is happening because the first time it gets in his mouth and it kind of design, he's like, oh god, because <laughs> that's the face he makes. In the yeah, exactly, exactly. And so he's just he just keeps. He's like, I have to do this. This is the shot. This is the shot. Okay. <sighs> So I, I would say probably from here, uh, quick recommendations if there's any other classic urban well, legend I didn't stories. give mine. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, what are you doing? No, it's <laughs> not important. I know. No, it's, no, it's fine. No, it's a treat for me too. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just fun. Tim Burton and Johnny Depp together, one of those combinations that 90% of the time they work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. That's one when it didn't. But <laughs> yeah. for the most part, you know, like Edward Scissorhands, Sleepy Hollow, it's, you know, Sweeney Todd. Those two, when you put those two together, I'm I'm going to watch it. And this is this was one of those instances where you put them together, and it was just it was fun. And yeah, that's about it. Awesome. Um, so now we'll get into recommendations. Yes, because I'm very sorry, sir. 
Yeah. No, it's, you're not. But it's okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna chalk it up to the booze that I'm drinking. But I'm, <laughs> there you I'm, go. I'm, I'm quite we're all fine. well. I'm quite. Fine. Rob and I are pretty much almost through most of our drinks. Liz is, Liz is a little halfway. Damon's they, got some work. But got, I fear my nervousness <laughs> is being being conditioned by the alcohol, so I'm kind of taking it nice and slow, so I don't get too exuberant. And oh, so, yeah. oh no, it's fine. It's okay. being exuberant okay. here is fine. If you didn't listen to our uh, the pilot episode, man, TJ was very adamant on how much he hated his horror movies. So which is oh, wonderful. TJ, he does. Which he, was, I, I love his rants. So oh, very, yeah, very, it's fun. It's yeah. always fun. <laughs> um, but I would say, you know, right now, if you have any recommendations, Liz, you already have one right on the top of your head. I do actually. So if you are a fan of the Sleepy Hollow with Johnny. Depp and Tim Burton, you should probably check out The Brothers Grimm, which is a movie with Heath Ledger in it and another mm-hmm. actor whose name Matt I am. Matt Damon. Matt yes. Damon. That's right. It yes. was Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. It is excellent. It I can't is along my namesake. the same feelings and like themes and color stories that The Sleepy Hollow has. A little a little darker. Much darker. I think that's more like uh, it, it breaks out of the family friendly mold, but I think it's still it's right on that line, the same as the way that this Sleepy Hollow film Well, is. I watched it as a child, but you know how I <laughs> turned out. So, <laughs> yeah, it, I think that those two go hand in hand I think they me. do. I think you're right. Yeah. David. You have to come back to me. I mean, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll ponder that very sure. thought. Ben. Uh, I, I mentioned it already, but I'm, you know what? You know, on the same lines of Tim Burton and, and Johnny Depp, I'm going to recommend, again, it's not family friendly, as we talked about before, but... Um, Sweeney Todd and the Demon of Baker Street. I just I think is a fantastic movie, and if you kind of like the the tonality of those two together, I think that's a good one to watch. Uh, the musical nerd in me must tell you that it's the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. That's yep. it. Sir? Sorry, I'm sorry, sir. Thank you. I'm sorry. Um, I'm gonna <laughs> I apologize. I'm gonna give an odd one because it's one of those movies that's very easily overlooked, but it was actually quite fun. Hansel and Gret- uh, Gretel Witch Hunters. Uh, again, not family friendly, but still really thoroughly <laughs> enjoyable. I don't know why, but I really thoroughly love that movie. I started that. I got maybe 15, 20 minutes in. It's not good. It is not. It's not not, good. I had complete expectations. I refer to those kind of movies as a frozen pizza movie. Yeah. You don't you, you you don't tell anyone you watch it. You don't tell anyone you have it. You have it in the freezer and when you're craving that frozen pizza, you take it out and you cook it. And you know it's awful for you, but you love it. Oh yeah, it's like and, and it's, it's like a perfect it's, example. It's like of that. stopping for fast food, and you're like, I really shouldn't do this, but I'm exactly. gonna do it anyway. And that's exactly what that kind of stuff is. Yeah. Um, again, yeah, I know, I know thoroughly, it is not a good movie, but it's still a fun watch. So. There's a, um, I do believe it's a Disney movie. I may have to remind you of this. Um, Something Wicked This Way comes from yeah, a long time Ray ago. Bradbury. Yeah, Bradbury. Yeah, that's and, a wonderful, uh, wonderful story. One of the ones that comes to mind when I think of like Sleep Hollow and the superstitious and the very kind of eerie sort of slow build that happens in the movie mm-hmm. and so I, I highly recommend that as a as a classic that I, I have not seen it in years now that I have I'll probably watch and that is a great family friendly film it um, is actually yeah it, it plays with people's heads the other thing I too I would really highly recommend for everybody is to go to the library jump on Amazon uh, overdrive.com whatever you prefer to read books um, pick up Washington Irving's some of his stories. I mean, again, Rip Van, Rip Van Winkle being one of the big ones that a lot of people forget. Uh, they, oh, that's right, yeah. And then in addition to The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. But honestly, too, uh, urban legends are great and fun, and this is the one episode where we get to really talk about them. So do yourself a favor. Pick up a weird book for your state and find something lo- local to you and check it out. Actually go to the location if you can, if like you're somebody that loves those kind of thrills. But get engrossed into your state's classic tales and help pass them on because that's what's fun about this time of year so um or if you have the opportunity to and you're on the east coast make a pilgrimage to Terrytown and sleepy hollow because it's really kind of wonderful especially around this time of the year because they truly celebrate it like crazy i actually want to go to Terrytown. i've never uh, been i, I, I do I too will, now i will I, yeah. say i will say for anybody that's looking for the headless horseman bridge so there is a bridge called the headless horseman bridge right by the cemetery that is actually not the headless horseman bridge it's something that they built uh, and that just got that name. Ah. The original place where it would have happened is if you go by the old Dutch church, which is still standing today, there is an overpass, and you'll see a plaque on the overpass that says, this is where the Headless Horseman Bridge would have been from Washington Irving's original tale. So if you if you check that out, you'll see a creek underneath and below. But um, the other one that is actually titled the Headless Horseman Bridge, uh, we actually, which is gorgeous, it's in the middle of nowhere, mm right outside of the cemetery like sat down had lunch on it and just kind of watched the creek and it was really just kind of stunning but like that cemetery is 
beautiful. Oh, um, so highly, highly recommended for people. So, Splendid. Thank yeah. you, sir. I'm actually looking it up to see how long how long of a drive is it? Yeah, uh, it's say. about three hours, give or take. Oh, to that's, get up to that's not bad at all. No. That's like a weekend yeah. drive. Um, maybe three and a half max, and then from there, if you do choose to go to like Salem, I think Salem's only like two hours uh, north at that point. Yeah, two uh, hours and forty five minutes yeah, from from your house now. Yeah, it's so, not bad. It's not bad at all. It's a day trip. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's a really cool little place, especially this time of year. They really truly celebrate that legend like crazy there. I'm not gonna lie, I might actually have to do that sometime next that, month in that, October. That, that may happen. Yeah. Right? yeah. Maybe we'll have to make a trip. Yeah, I'm yeah. down. All right. Well, let's prepare to get out of here. Uh, you know, obviously that was the tale of Sleepy Hollow. Uh, but we want to say a big special thanks to our good friends at This Way to the Egress. You can check them out at This Way to the Egress. That's spelled E G R E S S. That's dot com. Make sure to check out their music that's up on their site there. You can go visit their merch page or head over to their Patreon to help support them. They've got some really cool things in store for their Patreon subscribers for this October. Uh, but again, always a big special thanks to Sarah, Taylor, and the rest of the band for the music that you get to hear in the show. Yeah, they give us the music that we use for the opening and the closing of the podcast. Yeah, it's which very is fantastic. Um, I was going to turn it over to Damon and Liz first, and then we can do our... Yeah. So, do you guys have anything special going? Anything on? you guys want to promote or where you can be found? If not, it's okay. It's it's perfectly fine. I, I have a problem um, now that I'm finally you know cutting my teeth and and uh, I did radio in the past. So I'm really excited to try doing some podcasts myself. I have a couple ideas I'm cooking up, so we'll see how those. Yeah, you and I are going to have a conversation. We are have a conversation. I have a couple of crazy ideas that I may um, drag a few friends into, and we'll see how that turns out. So. Uh, but other than that, just excited to be out in the world vocally again, and thank you for having me here. Absolutely. Liz? Well, I have nothing myself to promote, but as I am married to Damon, there will probably be a time where I'm involved with some of his projects. So. Well, uh, we look forward to hearing more from you guys, and we know you guys will be back for another episode uh, of this where we do the Tale of Jack. Yes. Uh, so that'll be... That's going to be another fun one. That'll be that'll be coming out in a couple of weeks, too, so uh, keep your eyes and ears open for uh, when that, that drops, so... Well, I guess now I can go. Yeah, you can go now. Um, I mean, as always, this podcast, as well as our other podcasts, part of the Next Level Podcast Network, Next Level, the Next Level Network.com, Facebook.com slash Next Level Network. You and I have our DC Primetime podcast, which we're probably most likely going to be wrapping up sometime at the By the end of, before the like, end of 2020, that yeah. show will, will, be, will be taking its final bow. Yes, exactly. Uh, but other than that, that's, um, that's really all I got. Okay. Uh, and as for me, you can also find me through the nextlevelnetwork.com through the Caffeine Crew cast of pods, where we take a topic once a month with a roundtable full of anywhere from four to six guests, and we break things down talking about how it impacted geek culture from starting from our childhoods to today's current day, and then get just get to have a chance to have a little bit of fun with it. The next episode for that that will be coming out is one on digital consumption, uh, and that shall be out probably by the time you're hearing this episode, so make sure to check that out over at the website. But until our next episode our next chapter our next chapter we'll see you around the bed bye